Hey, I told you to move the beans. All you have to do is move it. Move the beans. Hey, move the beans. M-O-V-E. This is the Move the Beans podcast. Stories of ordinary habits that have extraordinary results. Here's your host, Dan Abatacola. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Move the Beans podcast, Stories of Ordinary Habits that Have Extraordinary Results, episode 27. 27, it's a special Sunday morning podcast. After we released our Easter morning podcast, I've been getting thousands and thousands and thousands of emails and requests to put out Sunday morning podcasts in lieu of a church service, in particular for our church here locally, but uh, we got a lot of listeners from all over the world who are just clamoring some more uh, podcasts uh, like this one. So every Sunday morning until further notice and maybe till things get back to normal, we're going to be putting out kind of a message podcast. And when I say message um, from God's word, and we're going to kind of hang out with a different theme or topic or or a different series, and we're going to jump into a theme or a topic in this next series, if you're not a churchgoer, and it's really going to touch on this idea of peace. And so going kind of hand in hand with our Easter message of hope. And so hope is found in a person of Jesus Christ. It's not found in, you know, stuff that we own or the hope that the world kind of gives, like, I hope that happens or I hope that I do well. This is hope found in Christ that it's a sure thing. It's going to be exactly as he said it was. And your hope is as alive as Christ is. And when he rose from the dead, your hope is also alive. And so with that hope comes this idea of peace. And peace comes with the person of Jesus Christ. So when you have your hope placed in Christ, one of the byproducts of that hope is peace. And so how do we get that peace? Because I've been talking to people over and over and over again about this idea of you know turmoil and anxiety and people are just kind of going nuts. And when you place your hope in Christ, that should give you this peace that you can lay your head on the pillow at night and kind of have some assurance that things are going to be okay because your hope is in the right place. And because your hope is in the right place, you have this confidence or peace that Christ is with you. And so kind of the key verse or passage that we're going to be looking at all throughout this series is found in John 14, verse 27. It says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I've been talking to so many people over the last few weeks who have troubled hearts, who are very afraid, and possibly it's because they have no peace. And we're going to try to figure out in, in a biblical way what it takes to have peace. And the good news, the secret to Christian peace and contentment is not a secret, right? It's not a secret at all. And that's the great news. It is not hidden knowledge only revealed to those who achieve some higher degree of holy enlightenment, right? so to speak. And actually, this secret is hidden in plain sight throughout all scriptures. And the good news is it is available to anyone who is willing to simply believe it. The truth is God has not only gone public with this secret, but he also invites us to know it, to know this peace personally. He does not want us to merely 
know about the secret, not to merely preach it like I'm kind of doing here on a podcast or explain it or just enjoy the idea of it or wish for it, but to actually know it by experience. That's what he really desires. Jesus described this kind of experience he wants us to know in Luke chapter 12. He says this, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things shall be added to you. Pretty interesting there. And and Paul, the Apostle Paul, from prison shared his experience in this way. He says, I have learned in whatever situation I'm to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In every and any circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Philippians chapter 4, the the Apostle Paul gives us this idea of how to find peace and contentment in a world that is going wrong. See, the secret to peace is very simple, and it does not require like heroic acts of piety. In other words, you don't need to be super spiritual. You don't need to go to Bible college. You don't need to go to seminary. You don't necessarily even have to walk into a church 12 times a week, you know, and and do some ritual. You you don't need to do that. No, in fact, it requires a childlike response from us. The secret is beautifully summed up in this phrase found in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, you might ask, Dan, that sounds really simple. Come on. Is that it? Just trusting in God? Is that what you're saying? Is there some like flip side to this? Are you kind of just getting me into this podcast? It's easy. And then you're going to hit me with something else. And I would have to say to you, no, that's really what it's all about. Trusting in God. It's so simple, but it's reality is revolutionary. If you really take it seriously and really dive into it and really pursue him with all your heart, you see, God designed us to operate on trust, right? He made us in small measures like himself, right? But he he didn't make us God. He made us in small measures of God. God designed us to operate on this idea of trust. We are reasoning creatures made in God's image, right? He did not give us the capacities to contain all the knowledge and all the wisdom. We only have the ability to contain very small amounts of each because we are not God. He created us in his image, but we are not God. We only contain very small amounts of those things. Plus, he didn't give us his power to bring into whatever we want to into reality. Now, imagine your life, and I can only imagine mine, what it would look like if he did give us that power. If we could just wish anything into existence, your life would look a lot different. My house, for sure, would look very different, right? Our lives would be very different. Our power is very limited. God designed us to trust him, trust him. So whatever knowledge, wisdom, and strength he provides us, also to trust his knowledge, wisdom, and strength when ours reach their limits. Kind of like lately, right? going through a pandemic, our trust muscle isn't like all the way pumped up and, and we're not like, you know, trusting in him all the way because it's kind of difficult and times are difficult and, and we don't have the knowledge and the wisdom and the strength and, and we reach our limit. He actually asks us to trust him 
when all those things reach a point where it's exhausting. He says, no, simply, simply trust me. Look at Adam and Eve in the garden. Perfect example. They broke trust with God by eating the forbidden fruit, right? You know the story. And when they did this, they disconnected their reason from reality. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says this, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. A commentary writer writes this, Adam and Eve had to deal with the overwhelming complexities of the knowledge of good and evil without the capacity of wisdom and knowledge and strength to adequately process them. They couldn't handle what they did. They were in over their heads. They were in a circumstance they didn't realize they were going to place themselves into, and they couldn't handle it. And you know what that led to? Their peace was gone because they refused in that moment to trust God. And when that trust was broken, their peace was gone. Their peace was gone. Now, some of our situations that we find ourselves, when our peace is gone, it's because of decisions that we made, circumstances that we caused in our own life, right? Disobedience, doing the wrong thing, living with regret. We all have those things. And then some things are thrown at us like this worldwide pandemic. We have no control over it. We're told to stay home or not work or work a limited time. Don't go to the store. Stay six feet apart from people. I mean, all these rules and regulations that kind of cause anxiety and uncertainty about the future. And we have no peace, right? Because we're trying to kind of figure it out on our own. And we're not trusting that God has a plan. And so that peace is gone. Whenever we break trust with God, whenever we do that, the peace that he gives us goes away too. That's why the gospel is so important. The story of redemptive history culminating in Jesus' incarnation, his birth, and then his death, and then his resurrection, which we celebrated at Easter. This is God's way of undoing the disaster of the garden and restoring sinful humans to holiness. And once again, trusting in him with all their heart. So no matter who you are, no matter what your gifts are or your abilities, no matter what your background is, that goes for everybody. It really does come down to trusting God with all of your heart. And if we trust him, our hearts will not be taken over by sin. And then peace disappears, right? When our hearts are taken over by sin, the peace of God disappears. It it leaves us, right? And trusting is simple, but it by no means is easy. The the devil's plans kind of go against us, right? Adam and Eve, their fall from grace, we see it in their lives. This is why God chooses to save us by grace through faith and not through works. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, maybe a verse that you know real well if you're a churchgoer, if you if you kind of dive into God's word, it says this, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. See, God is looking for trust. God's looking for trust from us. And when we trust him, the byproduct of that trust is peace in him, is peace in him. Now, God is looking for trust. Our works are important. In fact, they're crucial, but only in that they demonstrate that we trust in God. So God's like, 
how does the world know that you trust me? Right? How, how does the world know that you trust me? By your good works, by the things that you do for God, because you realize all your trust is in him. It doesn't save you. It's evidence that you have begun a relationship with God Almighty. You see, because God knows that our living in simple trust in him will be hard. It will be hard for us in all of our current times and all of our current situations, right? We're, we're in a worldwide pandemic. And what that led to was a job loss for some people, right? Whether it be temporary or permanent, huge. Maybe health issues, maybe panic and anxiety, maybe some mental issues, right? Life is not going to be easy. And when life is difficult and we begin to do our own thing and trust in our own ways and not trust in God, what leaves also is the peace of God that covers us. Jesus promised it would be that way. In Matthew 7, verse 14, listen to this. He says, but the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Gateway to life, real life is in trusting Jesus, right? Your hope, your hope. So if your hope is in Jesus and you trust in him, which means you obediently move in a direction of him each and every moment of your life. Now, you're not perfect. Maybe you fail sometimes like I do and like everyone does. But the pursuit of your life is towards a relationship with Christ. And you prove that by obedience in him. That's what you're proving, your trust in him. And so if trusting in him is what we're called to do, it's hard, right? Because again, we're all called to trust in Jesus, demonstrated by obeying Jesus in a world under the power of the evil one at times, right? He he gives his reign and rule over the earth, right? He's allowed to kind of run through the devil is and kind of terrorize us with temptation and just doing some things. And the fact that the world rejects and hates Jesus. But, but what we need to remember is that every time we are called to trust Jesus over our own wisdom, right? And the devil's plans, we actually reenact what happened in the Garden of Eden. Every time we exercise trust in Jesus by obeying what he says, it's a smack in the devil's mouth. It is because we do not need to understand the why for every commandment of God's, right? We don't need to do that or be able to answer every objection or shadow of doubt cast upon God's word. We don't need to answer all those, but we do need to trust God and therefore obey him. In fact, God is particularly glorified when in the face of temptation or fear, when we we don't fully understand God's reasons and we don't trust and obey him, he is glorified when we just simply move in that direction, when, when we rest our reason in God, which ultimately is the pathway to peace. So if you're struggling with peace during this time, if you're struggling with this worldwide pandemic, if you're struggling with just anxiety, you can't get to sleep at night, you're not sleeping all the way through, you, you can't concentrate in the middle of the day, you know, you're at home more and you're, just, you're afraid of what the future holds, Are you trusting in God? Are you trusting in him? Because the pathway to peace is trust in God. When you trust God fully and understand his character in spite of your situation, that's when peace comes. See, you're trusting in the very character and nature of God. 
And some of us have a past with God where we've seen him be faithful. And because he's faithful, he gets to move that faithfulness in and through our lives. And we actually grow the ability to trust him more. And it's easier the second time around, the third time around. And so as we begin to build that trust muscle up, and as we move in the direction of Christ and our relationship with him, we begin to find peace and more peace and more peace. And no matter what circumstance or situation we find ourselves in, we find that peace growing. And whatever happens, we know that God is in control. God is in control. That's the good news of the gospel. When we have hope in Christ for what he did, his death, his burial, his resurrection, when we've placed our hope in him and trust in him for our lives, along with that comes peace in Christ, that we find peace in the midst of storms, that we find peace in the midst of chaotic times, that we find peace in the midst of things that aren't going our way, that we didn't plan on, that seem to be a little bit uncomfortable, but we still have peace. And the world looks at us and goes, how are you acting so normal? What is with you that is not with me? Why are you so different than your coworkers? Why are you so different than the people in your community? And you can tell them, because it's my trust and my hope in Christ. And as I trust in my hope, the living Christ, I find that peace. And that enables me to get through tough times and do the thing that God wants me to do and actually brings glory to God by using my gifts and my abilities because I don't have to struggle with my future. I don't have to struggle with what's going to come tomorrow because I live at peace because Christ has given me that peace. Well, on the Sunday morning podcast, I just don't want it to be me talking about you know certain topics and going through God's word. The Move the Beans podcast, really, I wanted to be a conversation. And so as much as possible, I want to bring in uh, friends of mine, uh, friends of the podcast to uh, kind of give us their perspective on the certain topics or the issues that we're talking about. And we're talking again about trusting in God, how that leads to peace in our own lives. So our relationship of trust that we begin with Jesus leads to peace. And so I asked a friend of mine to come on and join me on this podcast. His name is Joe Patuznik. And Joe is a lifelong friend, known him for years growing up in Berwyn. He's a pastor. He's married with two children. He's a graduate of Moody Bible Institute, and he's been serving at Crossroads Community Church in Johnson Creek, Wisconsin for the last 10 years. And like the last two years of that 10, he's been the lead pastor. Hey, Joe, welcome uh, to the Move the Beans podcast. Glad you're with us, Joe Patuznik. How's it going, Dana Batacola? Great to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, this is great. And again, thanks for uh, chiming in here on the Move the Beans podcast. And you guys got to know the listening audience here. Joe and I go back a long way, grew up in Berwyn together. When I asked him to be on here, Joe's response was classic Joe, if you know Joe out there. Classic Joe response was, I've been known to move the beans a time or two. Pretty funny. I just, I think that was funny. And then my first thought was, I didn't think White Castle served beans. <laughs> Are you still a big fan of White Castles? Oh, any chance I get, I hit it. <laughs> Anytime I come to Chicago, my wife just laughs because that's our first stop. Nice. Now, so, you know, I said that you were pastoring a church in Johnson Creek, Wisconsin. Now, where is Johnson Creek? It's halfway between Milwaukee and Madison, right on I-94. I can see it from my backyard. Okay, so 
driving back here to Chicago, how long does it take you? Hour and a half, two hours. Oh, oh, that's not too bad. Not bad at all. Much better than when I lived up north. Yeah, yeah. You were all the way up in the boonies up there. Yeah. Yes, I was. Yeah. So right now, I don't. We are. Yeah, we are talking today about this idea of trusting God, and that leads to peace. Because Joe, I've been saying like, and you've been probably seeing too, and talking to folks at your church, and just in in culture, you see like people are lacking peace because of everything that's going on. So the kind of the topic this morning, what I've been discussing was this idea of your trust in God actually leads to this peace and confidence in him. And so your life has peace. And so I wanted another voice on here to kind of give our listeners maybe the same idea, but in a different way or a different voice or maybe a different experience also. So Joe, how does your trust or faith in God draw you into a place of peace and when we're talking about uh, peace, especially in ministry, how does that draw you into peace professionally and then personally? Can I kind of give us some examples of that? Yeah, I would start with professionally because that's a lot of what has led to my peace personally. Is but well, my profession is I'm a pastor, so okay. uh, my relationship with God is the highest priority. That's everything that's that my life is about. So I would say. Because I've seen God work so mightily in the past throughout my life, I have the utmost confidence that it doesn't matter what happens right now. It doesn't matter. I mean, there's a virus that's scaring a lot of people right now. There's people. It's it's amazing how our world has gone a little crazy. You put a little fear into a group of people that you would say are the most sophisticated on the planet, and you see what's happened. People hoarding, people uh, kicking you know, and, and screaming, people trying to be first for everything and take care of themselves. And uh, it, it's really been a, a crazy time. So, you know, God's peace right now is, is more important than ever. And it, it just drives me more to, to help people understand the relationship with Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now when we were chatting earlier, you, you talked about in your professional area of expertise and your, as you pastor your church, how you guys had to kind of lean into this idea of trusting God and how that led to peace as a church. So kind of explain that a little bit. Well, it's, that's a funny story uh, because it's what led me to become the lead pastor of this church. Two years ago, we were in a lot of disarray. Our church was uh, having a lot of uh, trouble with unity, and it really looked like we were headed for a split, which wasn't looking like it. It actually had happened. Okay. In this time, we were transitioning, or I was being voted upon to become the lead pastor on a church that was about to split, and we were in the middle of taking on a, a huge undertaking that God gave us an opportunity for. The local high school here uh, became oh, wow. available for sale. So in my life at this time, when I'm, I'm expecting my first child, uh, <laughs> Frankie was Coming on board, I was candidating for the lead pastor position in a church that was dividing quickly, was about to split, and we are trying to take on a building that it was going to take a true act of God to make it happen. Yeah. And there was just turmoil in everything. We were having town hall meetings every week for our church to try to walk through this process. And they always ended up in shouting matches and accusations <laughs> of liar. And 
for some of the folks in the church, I was known as the the puppet of the lead pastor. Yeah. Uh, it was just an ugly, ugly time where there wasn't a lot of peace. And it was hard because our church had always considered ourselves family. And to have people that I would have called family at the time turning on myself, turning on others, and seeing the true ugliness uh, that should never be uh, had in Christianity come out. Uh, it was a very rough time. Yeah. But I think, I mean, we've been in ministry long enough and we realize that people are people and no place is perfect. Although it's shocking at the time, I think, but now you're looking back and just understanding our own nature and our own depravity at times and our own willingness to kind of walk into sin, it really shouldn't surprise and probably doesn't surprise you most of the time, right? No, it really doesn't. And I will tell you what got me through this was relying on what God was telling me and the rest of, of our pastoral staff. Yeah. Uh, because we were very, it was very clear to us what God wanted us to do. He was dropping a miracle in our lap. And while I'll have to admit, we didn't always handle it well, because when criticism comes your way and people are making accusations, you don't always respond well. And there's times I wasn't proud of what I was doing. But what brought us all through that time and those that remained in the church was the piece that, yes, we were taking on some very, very big challenges. But as we looked at it from the Old Testament perspective, I always likened it to a Gideon moment where we had put some things out there saying, God, if you want us to go forward, you have to be very clear because this is a, a crazy time and, and we want to be right because if, if we go forward and you're not, this is not part of your plan, we're going to look really stupid and we're going to fall right on our faces. And God gave those of us in the leadership such peace about what we were supposed to be doing that we were able to endure a lot of the criticisms and the second guessing. And ultimately, when the church did split, and with that split, the the larger financial givers of the church were ones that had also left. We, we were left with a big decision with our, our small group that remained. And we just said, you know what? Gideon. We went back to Gideon, where God brought uh, Gideon's army down to 300 people. And he went against an army of, of 10,000 or better. And we said, well, we're going to need to see God show up like this because there's no possible way we can do this without God showing up. And we decided to go forward. And it's been a process. These two years uh, have been miracle after miracle. And just seeing God's provision during all of that time, it, it has prepared me for so many different things. So when this virus hit and, and things started going crazy, I, I can honestly say that I have not worried one bit about what is going on and if we're going to be provided for, are we going to keep our health? What if we get sick? All of those questions that come up, I have not lost one wink of sleep over it at all. <laughs> and, that, that's, and that's probably the way it should be, correct? Yeah. Well, as a believer, it doesn't matter what hits us. Yeah. Because God is in control. Nothing catches him off guard. Nothing catches him by surprise. And he has our best in mind. And that could go either way for our circumstances. Sometimes I, what drives me crazy sometimes is, is when we pray for like someone to be healed and the mm -hmm. person is healed and everyone praises God. I never want to be the person in that situation to ask, but you always wonder, would we all be praising God 
if that person wasn't healed and, and, and passed. Mm. See, God would still be the same. Sometimes, yeah. he, you know, our prayers and our hopes are honored because they're part of his plan, but sometimes they are not. But that doesn't change who God is. He is still to be glorified. He is still to be praised and honored and worshiped. And we have to be very careful to be able to accept whatever he's going to throw before us. And as Americans, we're used to happy endings or we're happy to praise God when things go well. But when, again, when things don't go so great, you know, we, we start to question, God, what are you doing? Because we're looking with our eyes and not his. Yeah. And that's basically what led up to our conversation. What I was talking about was this idea of trust is the pathway to peace. And so if you, if you fully trust in God and understand his character and understand, like you said, which I love, that he has our best in mind when he acts in, in certain ways, whether we understand it in the moment or when we don't, uh, w- our job is to simply to trust him. And then trust leads to peace. And so regardless of the outcome, we should have peace. We should be able to hit our head in that pillow at night. And like you said, again, not lose a wink of sleep because we know that our lives are in the hands of God who is ultimately in control. And that gives us, that drives our peace, correct? Absolutely. There's nothing like it. I, mean, yeah. I can't think of anything in the world that I could put my faith in that cannot be taken away. If anything, this, this whole shutdown should prove that everything's been taken away from us. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's almost like, and I've used this expression before, as you kind of go through certain trials and God is growing that trust muscle in, in him. And so we're building that trust, we're building that trust. And so when the next trial comes up, when the next circumstance is, that is beyond our control, we have a little bit of reserve already uh, of trust in us. And so that muscle is bigger. And so we get to kind of show and trust God even more because, and it becomes easier. Like you said, when this virus hit in your church and you're now you're leading a church, it, you didn't really go crazy because you understand you had the faithfulness of God in the past that is going to lead to understanding of what's going to happen in the future. Well, I love that trust muscle thing. I'm going to steal that, but I will give okay. you that. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. So, so what if like, you know, the, the half the church left, you took on this building and we, could you see it going sideways? Was, was there some fear that things, you know, we're going to jump into this. Some of the people left, some of the big, you know, financial people left. And what if it went sideways? Would you still have peace? Would you still have peace knowing that God was in the decision or, or how do you work that out? Cause I know there's people going, well, what if that didn't, the situation didn't work out all rosy, Joe, what, what happens now? And that was something I really had to deal with because last year, I will tell you, things were touch and go. We were paycheck to paycheck as far as not just me getting a paycheck, but the church itself. We, and to a degree, we are still month to month. Uh, and it could have went sideways in any way. But my question to God was, okay, if it's your will that this church you know, is to go under, what will you spring up? Because his word is going to get out there. His plan is going to be fulfilled, no matter if it's us or someone else. Yeah. Uh, so my job was to trust God in no matter which way it went, was to do what I thought he was calling us to do as the leader of the church. Yeah. And, and to provide that direction for our people. And I will tell you, I have some fantastic people that have stood by my side the entire way that made it, you know, looking back while it was, it was a crazy time, I would say it was very easy because God put the right people uh, right around me the whole time, and uh, they helped me not to waver. 
Yeah. And that's, and that's really what the body of Christ is supposed to be. Those people supporting you and encouraging one another to kind of push us through to pursue a relationship and growth in Christ. And that's how the church should work. Exactly. And, and while I, I do regret losing some of what I would have called family back then, uh, there were many others that I didn't have, you know, strong, not, not strong relations, but I didn't know them as well. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, they were folks that may have been overshadowed by some of the others that were here. And again, as God just winnowed people out and, and, and let people go, it allowed others to step up and shine that I will tell you have just been fantastic. And I will say, if I thought we had family two to three years ago, it is nothing in comparison to what I feel about our body right now. Yeah. And that's, that's cool. That's usually the way God works it. Now you said something really interesting, which I want to touch on this idea that if it did go sideways and it's something that God ended, I think, especially in the Christian world, I think, you know, we, we always talk about numbers and success and, but what if, I mean, is there a point in time where we could just be satisfied and allow God to be glorified and us to be filled with his peace when something changes and when something has to end? I mean, well, why is ending such a, a big disgrace, I think, in the church world at times? Why do you think that is? Well, we look at it as a personal failure or God didn't show up or we weren't being obedient. Uh, and look, I am always open to being wrong. And I believe <laughs> if I am not obeying God, he, he will make that very evident. But we were doing things right. and We were following him and wholeheartedly depending on him. So if he did choose to end it, there could be peace even in that. Now, how would we all make a living? Well, Again, God has always come through. He's always taken care of me. I grew up very poor yeah. uh, and have seen him take care of me. So financially, I could say, I don't worry. God has always provided. And you know, I'm sure I would have been able to find a job that could pay the bills. Uh, I married a, a veterinarian who makes plenty of money. Uh, so I have a sugar <laughs> mama. Oh, she's going to kill me if she hears this. But Yeah, totally. Uh, yep. But again, we didn't know what things were going to look like, but I don't think it is always bad when a church closes their doors. It's yeah. sad because of the emotional attachments and the memories that go there. But there are things that, that shut down all the time. Yeah. But it doesn't change who God is. And, yeah. and we can look at the history of Scripture and, and everything in Christianity, and we can have faith that he knows what he's doing. Absolutely. Now, it's, in, it's really awesome that you said, because I know like, we grew up together, and I knew that you grew up poor and your family wasn't well off and you guys struggled in, in a lot of different areas for many different reasons. But so, and now you find yourself in this position of a kind of a smaller at times struggling church where maybe some people without the background that you had of seeing God being faithful in your life might've scared them off or took them, you know, to another place to get a steady paycheck. And not in your case, because you saw God be faithful all throughout your life and placing people in your life and resources and opportunities. And so do you think maybe that had something to do with also like the character of who you are also? Oh, yes. And I could see how so many things in my past uh, from the struggles I had in ministry and in different arenas where, you know, you lose jobs, you were with one church or you may be with a camp and you lost jobs. You learn so much uh, from the mistakes you've, that you've made or the hard times that you've gone through. God has been developing me so for such a long time and, and he had me prepared to be the lead pastor at this time. I may not be the right lead pastor for uh, every church. In fact, I don't think I'd be the lead pastor at a lot of churches. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
because I've been a youth pastor for over 20 years, as you know. Uh, yeah. And I, I never planned on becoming a lead pastor. This was a complete God thing that our, our lead pastor at the time just asked me. He asked me multiple times, actually, and, and several times I just told him, no, I'm a youth guy. <laughs> yeah. But God began working on me and, and changing my heart, and then I, I asked him to, to watch me and evaluate me and see, did he see the qualities to, to do what needs to be done here? Uh, and I was not the first choice. Uh, there were other people that were in line for this position, so to speak. And, and, and God just worked through that. And then he changed my mind. I, I didn't want to become a lead pastor. So I just look back at, at, at the different events and different people and different experiences and, and just see God's hand on all of it. He was preparing me for this time to be the lead pastor of this church in the life of this church right now. Yeah, absolutely. I could I could totally see that just hearing the story of the church and like I said I knew where you were but I didn't know the whole you know, like the whole backstory of the church and so very evident from just who I know you are and where you've come from and how you're leading now and in the turmoil and in the good times and the bad times that's exactly it sounds like right where God has you. So even more like kind of pinpoint what we're talking about today this idea of peace in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. How has your job changed a little bit, even though you're not surprised, you're kind of smooth sailing. So your, your role as you know, a pastor wears many different hats, and I'm sure you've been wearing the counselor hat a lot lately. Are you talking with more people lately about just anxiety and fear of the future and you know, people are being laid off and maybe even losing their jobs forever? So how has your job changed in the last month? Well, obviously not meeting live is very difficult. Uh, that our church was prepared for that. We've actually been streaming for over two years our services live on our Facebook okay. page. So to go into recordings, that didn't do too much of a change. But not meeting with people in person and having to have a lot more uh, online meetings, that has changed a lot. But yes, I, I'm talking with a lot of people. I'm making more phone calls, a lot more emails, checking in on people, making sure they're doing okay because with our life groups that we do, our church is on a church-wide discipleship uh, program for the year, but I don't get to check in with a lot of these individuals uh, that I would normally see. So phone calls, emails, Facebook messages. Uh, but surprisingly, I, I've been able to at least run into a couple of them here and there. Uh, but it really has changed to be more uh, communicating by, by calls and emails. Yeah, yeah. And so are, are you um, seeing that people are more stressed out maybe during this time or are, are they just trying to kind of cope with it the best they can? I would say that our folks have, have done a fantastic job. Uh, many of them have taken opportunities uh, to really serve our community. Like I said, we bought this high school. So two of our members decided we had 300 student desks laying around. So she put it out to the community since so many kids are being homeschooled. She said, hey, I will clean them up. Her and her husband carried at least 150 of them up a flight of stairs through a shop outside. And, and we just allowed people to come and take them. And if they wanted to make a donation, we didn't stop them. Yeah. That, you know, and she's taken that upon herself. She's been, she's been uh, walking through the village doing cleanups uh, with her husband. Uh, so many things that our, our, our church people have just stepped up and saying, hey, this time we have, let, let's use it wisely. So it's really been neat to watch some of them do the things that they're doing. That's cool. That's very cool. Especially for um, what size church do you have? I mean, like typically. Or? 
Well, on a good week, we'll have 50 to 60 people. Okay, so it's, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a smaller church, but to have that much kind of activity and that much input from people that go there, like the desk thing, that's, that's awesome. I mean, because those desks weren't doing nothing but just sitting around and collecting dust. And now they're able to being used. And now your community knows that there's a community of faith at Crossroads who care for them and really love them in really practical ways. That's, that's, a, that's a powerful story that I think, you know, that God can use that uh, uh, down in the, in, the, in the future as you continue to grow in that community. So that, that's really cool. So you, you find it typically that a lot of folks at your church or, are kind of forward thinking with that ministry and, and sharing the gospel in real practical ways? Absolutely. Our mission is love Jesus, love people, meet needs. And meet needs is the way that we show the love for our community which is really what led us to purchase the old high school sitting in the middle of town. Okay. We didn't need a big, huge building that we had. We needed space, but we didn't need something this big. But when God dropped it in our lap for $250,000, oh. uh, the only <laughs> question was, could we keep up a building of this size? And that was a big yeah. question, but we have. But we bought it so that we can meet needs. The local rec department does all their basketball practices in our building. The local baseball and softball people, they turned our lower gym and old wrestling room into a batting cage where they teach uh, pitching and hitting drills. Uh, we have some men that come in on Tuesday and Thursdays using one of our shops to teach woodworking. Uh, we, we run a daycare through our church, is uh, one of our bigger ministries. Every Tuesday, we have community playgroup where any parents and toddlers can come into our gym and we have it set up with toys and equipment. Uh, any kid is welcome to be a part of that. Our folks do not sit on their hands. That's one thing that when when people are interested and want to become members, especially, mm-hmm. uh, even if they're regular attenders, we just tell them, if, if you're someone who's going to come and warm a seat, this probably is not the church for you. Our <laughs> folks are ready to serve. That's awesome. That's awesome. And just, I mean, as you were listing on all those things that you guys do to utilize that building that God gave you for your community, and then it kept on, you know, the number of people on a typical Sunday, 50 or 60 people kept on racing through my head. You do all of that with a very small amount of people. We have a, we are a small church with a huge footprint. God is, again, when we see God do things in scripture, he takes the ordinary and does extraordinary with them. Whether Absolutely. it be feeding thousands and thousands of people with a happy meal, as my old pastor used to say. Yeah. Or whether it, it takes, you know, a group of 30 to 50 people in and just takes care of an entire community in some ways. Uh, we shouldn't be surprised we read about it through scripture. Yeah. God has not changed. Why should we be surprised? It's, it's awesome Absolutely. to be a part of this. Yeah. That's, that is awesome. That's a great place to end here too, because you said two really key words in the life of Move the Beans podcast. It's stories of ordinary habits that have extraordinary results. And what you described was ordinary people doing ordinary things on a disciplined or regular basis that leads to extraordinary results and even life-changing and eternal results for maybe some people. And that's, that's really the whole key of the gospel, sharing Christ in really practical ways. And it sounds like you guys are doing it. So continue to uh, have success as you guys are trusting in God. And Joe, thanks so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. No problem. But Danny, I got a bone to pick with you. I don't know how Liska got on here twice before I was even invited. Even Pat Marsh, one of my former students, although he's a pretty big deal being on WGN News, but yeah, yeah, Patrick. Twice, I'm I'm a little offended. I'm not gonna lie. Well, I'm offended also that he actually got on here once, let alone twice. He <laughs> uh, he pays me a lot of cash under the table, okay. and 
threatens that he has some pictures of me with, you know, from a, like a Wana. So I'm not quite sure what that means, but I'm going to try and get those pictures. So yeah, I, I don't know how he got on here, but I, I'm, I'm more afraid of the old man than anything. Well, that beard is pretty intimidating. It is definitely. All right, man. Thanks for being here. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. God bless you. Keep moving them beans, Dan. Thanks for having me. Okay, bud. Bye. Well, that was awesome catching up with Joe and hearing what God is doing in his life and the life of his church up at Crossroads Community Church up in Wisconsin there. So really appreciate his time and his example of what God has been teaching him throughout the years of just with this idea of trust and the idea that that brings peace to his life. Really good stuff by Joe. So Joe, thanks so much. And for everyone listening out there, we hope that um, you have this relationship with Jesus is such a thing that it's real and it's begun in such a way by faith that you are not only finding your hope in him, but also some peace because of your trust in him and that you are moving in the direction of your savior each and every moment of your life. In spite of the turmoil, in spite of the chaos in our world, you can find peace. You can actually lay your head down on your pillow at night and have some rest and have some peace knowing that The God who loves you, the God who loves you, as Joe put it, has your best interest in mind. And he's going to care for you and he's going to watch over you and protect you. So I hope you have that peace. I hope you have that that hope that is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ and that you keep on pursuing him in all that you do. Thanks so much for joining us on the Move the Beans podcast, Stories of Ordinary Habits that Have Extraordinary Results. I hope the extraordinary results in your life is not only life here on earth, a full life that God has given you, but you find forgiveness of sins and eternal life in heaven because of what your Savior did for you. So that's our hope as we listen to this podcast and kind of move through this life. So we'll uh, catch you next time on the Move the Beans podcast. And God bless you. Have a great, great day. Bye-bye.